Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Biliteracy Now podcast. I'm your host, Diana, and today's episode, I'm discussing something that I feel so many of us struggle with every day called imposter syndrome. Stay tuned. Thank you again for joining me today. As always, you can follow me on any social media platform at ByLiteracyNow. You can visit my blog, ByLiteracyNow.com, and purchase my products on Teachers Pay Teachers. So let's get right into imposter syndrome. The first time I heard the term imposter syndrome was probably about two years ago, even though the term has been around since the 1970s. And I will admit that when I first heard it, my initial reaction was to get super defensive because I kept focusing on the word imposter, which of course made me want to shout out and say, I'm not an imposter, I'm not a phony, I'm not a fake. But the reality is that IS means that you are someone who is filled with self-doubt and you downplay your success. You're incapable of recognizing your accomplishments or your achievements in life. And you are constantly questioning whether or not you belong in this space or in this um, arena of whatever it is that you're focusing on. Like My example would be bilingual education. And so I think that there are so many of us out there who struggle with IS but we're either not comfortable talking about it or we don't know what it's called. But I think that it deserves our attention because I think it's something that um, we shouldn't be ashamed of admitting. We shouldn't feel you know, embarrassed that we sometimes doubt ourselves. So I'm going to share with you today some of the steps that I took to manage IS. And full disclosure, I want you to understand that overcoming IS is a process. You don't just wake up one day and you're magically cured. The very first thing I did, obviously, was acknowledge that I was having those feelings, that I was doubting myself, that I was incapable of celebrating whenever something great happened, and I never really gave myself, like, proper props, like, hey, you know, you did a good job, or you worked really hard and this paid off. And so I had to acknowledge that I was doing that to myself. The second thing that I did was I made a list of all of the things that triggered those thoughts. What are those? What are the things that are affecting the way I perceive myself or the way I see myself? And so the very first thing on my list that I wrote in all caps was the education system. And I'm writing this because I'm writing from a perspective of a bilingual educator, right? That's that's sort of how I'm I'm looking at imposter syndrome. And so I wrote this because I do feel like Bilingual educators are often treated less than the teachers who are not bilingual educators. So I'm going to say a little bit more about that. Um, I feel that it is completely unfair to compare my students to another class that is not a bilingual classroom. I think it's completely unfair to compare my performance to the performance of another teacher. It's something that has always bothered me and it's something that I have been outspoken about and in every campus that I've worked at and I've seen very little change. I've, I don't think that that's going away anytime soon, but once I acknowledged that that was happening, I came up with a solution on how to stop feeling like I'm not doing enough or doubting myself, my ability as an educator. 
And so I decided to instead focus on the performance of my own students and focusing on the growth. And that's basically how I measure um, sort of how well of a job I'm doing as an educator is by looking at the growth of my students and when they came in at the beginning of the year versus when they leave my classroom at the end of the year. Because that's the only growth and that's the only success really that you should be looking at and celebrating. Not, you know, pinning each other, like pinning one teacher against the other teacher or comparing apples and oranges. In this case, students who are in a bilingual classroom versus students who are not in a bilingual classroom. I think it's, you know, obviously not fair, but that is the way the education system is often set up for bilingual educators. So of course, it is super easy for us to fall into those thoughts of self-doubt and feeling like we're not doing enough. Um, But I would say that's definitely a trigger um, for me and my IS. The second thing that I think really affects um, or impacts my self-doubt and, you know, feeling like I'm not worthy is social media. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Instagram. I love social media. I love recording stories and connecting with you all. I genuinely feel like some of my followers are are like my real friends in real life. Um, But there are definitely times when you can't help but feel like you're comparing yourself to somebody else or someone else is doing something that you're doing, but they're doing it on a grander scale or they're doing it much better or that classroom is perfect and mine's not perfect. We have to stop doing that. And that's something that's very difficult for us to do because of you know the year that we're in and how important social media has become in our everyday lives. Um, but it definitely triggers my imposter syndrome. It triggers me from feeling like I don't belong in this space. Like I'm, I feel like an imposter, right? Like I, I should not be in the bilingual education world. Um, but the truth is you do belong here. You are a very important piece of the bilingual education puzzle and um, you're needed just like I'm needed. And I have to constantly remind myself of that is that I've earned my place here. I've worked extremely hard to get to where I'm at and I deserve to be here. It's not easy to think that way about yourself every day. And it kind of comes off as like you're being cocky, but sometimes you have to tell yourself those things because if you don't, who will? And so another thing that I wrote down that triggers those thoughts for me is probably coworkers. And I'm not speaking from current experience because I don't have, I don't work with anybody at the moment that makes me feel a certain way. But in the past, I did come across several coworkers who I felt um, weren't valuing my input when it came to POC meetings. I experienced a lot of um, resistance when it came to introducing maybe a new way of teaching a concept. Um, and that's something that's very common in the education world. But um, it definitely affects the way you see yourself and the quality of you as a teacher and it's hard to shake that off it's hard to ignore especially when it's people who you admire like your team members maybe you look up to them and then they don't value you it definitely makes you feel like oh maybe i'm not doing a good job maybe i don't belong here and so you have to learn to identify when they're making you feel that way or when their words or their actions whether it's um purposeful whether they're doing it on purpose or not it doesn't matter but Um, you have to acknowledge or recognize if their actions or words are making you feel that way because you have to do something about it. So one of the things you could do is maybe distance yourself or um, 
maybe just find maybe just do it anyways like if you have an idea that you think is going to be great for the classroom just do it in your class you know and see if it works and if your students are successful then really that's the only validation that you actually need is that your students learned something and it was really good engaging and fun and you know they mastered the concept um it's hard i know i understand that it's very difficult because you you do you don't want to be an island you want to be able to collaborate but also learning to collaborate with the right people is super important And so the last thing that I wrote down on my list of things that trigger my imposter syndrome was systematic oppression. And I won't talk too much about it because I do feel like that deserves a podcast episode on its own. I will say that the way I identify as a mujer mexicana navigating this world absolutely um, affects sort of the way I perceive myself. You know, it's, it's very difficult to sort of hang on to your identity when um, you're surrounded by things that remind you of why you're not welcome or um, you know you're not liked or you're not respected or your culture doesn't matter or your language is dispensable which of course makes it super difficult for um, anyone to navigate the world and not feel like we're imposters But now that I've shared those three things that are three triggers that I feel like um, sort of worsen my imposter syndrome or the the thoughts that take over my mind, I do want to share some tips or something that you can do to sort of help balance it out. I would recommend that you make a list of 10 things that you are really good at. And they don't always, they don't all have to be based around you being a bilingual educator. So I'm gonna give you an example of one of the things that I wrote down on my list. I wrote that I'm a really good baker. I wrote that down because I love to bake. I enjoy it, it makes me feel, I don't know, some type of way. And every time I make cheesecake or my dinner rolls or cookies, you know, everyone in my family, you know, says, "Um, these are delicious, this is great, you should sell these or whatever, you know, they don't, always say that but I'm just giving you an example is that those are things that I know I'm good at because one I enjoy doing it two I like the way they taste and then three my family and the people that are closest to me my friends and my husband they um they enjoy them as well that's how I sort of know that I'm really good at at baking I struggled with this list because when I got to like Number six, I was like, what else am I good at? What else am I good at? And I think it's because we're so programmed to think or to sort of downplay what makes us unique and different and also really beautiful. And I can't help but feel sad that that's where we are. That's where a lot of us are, you know? So once I finished my list of the 10 things that I know that I'm really good at, I actually um, typed them up on a computer and I used really pretty font and printed them on colored paper and then I hole punched them and put them inside of a ring because I hung them up near my desk and on any day where I'm feeling really down on myself or I'm questioning you know whether or not I belong in this space or I'm worthy or I feel inadequate I take it out I take them out and I go through the list one by one and I read them to myself out loud and I can tell you that it has made a really big difference for me because it's just affirming who I am, you know, and, and my value as a person. So I do challenge you all to do that, to make a list of those things, because I, I do feel like it works. At least for me, it did. 
And lastly, for those of you who are still listening, I want to remind you that it's absolutely necessary for us to take action on the things that trigger IS. And I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by that. I used to be the kind of educator that would always find myself saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm being a good teacher. And I had to learn very quickly that in order for me to shift that way of thinking about myself, I had to take action. I had to attend PD sessions. I shadowed a teacher who I perceived to be effective. I gave up my planning time to observe someone's lesson. I read books. I took action. I asked for help. That's what I did. It made the biggest difference. I stopped saying things like, I don't know what I'm doing. And instead was saying things like, actually, I do know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing about something, I can just ask for help or seek more knowledge. It takes a lot of energy, yes, to be able to shift your way of thinking. um, But I think that the effort is worth it. Of course, there will always be things that we are not able to control that trigger IS for us. Things like uh, comparisons, you know, comparisons to other people or the way society perceives us or the way people act towards us. Even our reactions towards those people are very difficult to control um, or almost impossible to control. But I want you to really focus on what are some actions you can take today that can help manage imposter syndrome because I can promise you that you are not alone. There are so many of us out there that are struggling and going through it every day, but I promise you that you deserve to be here, that your voice matters, that you are worthy, and all of the success that comes your way is because of your hard work. And you deserve to be told that you're doing it. You're doing a great job. You're here. You're making it happen, and I'm so proud of you for that. And I want to thank you once again for tuning in to the By Literacy Now podcast. You can visit my blog, ByLiteracyNow.com, and I will also be posting on imposter syndrome there. That post will go along great with this podcast episode. I'm your host, Diana, and as always, my hope is that you leave inspired.